More stats and news for the Sunday's matchup versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Cody and I also take a look at the running back position and how it's been failed throughout this year. We close off with why the fan base needs to show up a little bit more for their team every day. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Tuesday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by the Ultimate GM Game. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores on your phone, whether that's Apple or Google. Our listeners can get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, in the game store. I'm John Hickman, joined by Cody Davis today, here to discuss more of the Houston Texans. And first of all, I want to start this show off with is, guys, when we look around the league and we start to evaluate the possibility of getting a third head coach hmm. under Nick Casario in three years, we may need to pump the brakes on that. Why do I say that? A couple of days ago, the NFL announced that they are reminding owners of costly firings. There is about $800 million on fired coaches and executives. And the Houston Texans, Texans, excuse me, is a part of that. They are still paying David Cully, I think, roughly 18 to 20 million dollars. I can't remember the number exactly. It's a lot. A lot of money <laughs> for one season for only winning four games. But then now we look at the, like the New York Giants are paying three coaches right now. Texans are playing paying one coach in David Cully, currently paying Lovey Smith. And so there's been a lot of talk about whether or not Houston should move on and get a new head coach for next year. I've been a part of that train. However, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's more likely, now that that comes out, and we'll see how it plays out, but I think it's more likely that the Houston Texans keep Lovey Smith for one more year, and they bring in an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, excuse me, and a defensive coordinator for this team. Some interesting snap counts from the Sunday's matchup versus the Chiefs. Davis Mills played 52 snaps. On Sunday, Jeff Driscoll played in 18 snaps. Heck, Charlie Heck and Titus Howard played every snap at right tackle and left guard. Tegan Quintoriano plays a season-high 51 snaps logged. And Dore Ogunbowale and Royce Freeman, 27 and 24 log minutes at the running back position from Sunday's matchup. And we look at Christian Harris, the only Rookie so far in 2022 to post three tackles for loss in a single game. Hmm. This was Christian Harris' best game, you know, on Sunday going up against the Chiefs, and that's an interesting stat. Another interesting stat, safety Jalen Petrie, 13 combined tackles, eight solo tackles against the Chiefs, made him the first rookie since Fred Warner to have three straight games with 10-plus Tackles. Davis Mills matched his career high with three touchdowns. And the Texans had four players to have at least 
10 tackles, Christian Harris, Jalen Petrie, Christian Kirksey, and Tremont Smith. I also want to shout out Christian Kirksey, man. I think that he is a player, along with Chris Moore, that the Houston Texans should look at bringing back for next season. Why do I say this? Well, again, Houston has historically had issues with depth and effective depth. Players that can step in when somebody needs to either get a break or injury occurs. When I look at Christian Kirksey, the addition and starting of Christian Harris has allowed him to just play freely downhill. And he's looked better since we've seen Christian Harris look better. And I also think Christian Moore is another player who, again, on Sunday, led the team in receiving yards. He's just a guy you can trust. All right? You can't trust Brandon Cooks no more. He doesn't want to be in the building. He won't return next year. Nico Collins, he has failed to capitalize on the relationship of Brandon Cooks simply based off of his injury problems. But there's been one wide receiver on this team. It hasn't been Philip Dorsett, who has kind of been in a shadow. Chris Moore has taken advantage of his opportunity, and he is a player you can trust moving forward. I think he's a player you should bring back for next year. Also, Tremont Smith, now that he's been able to play football, he's been playing great for the Houston Texans. I want to go back and take a look at that conversation that you just finished having about the coaching decision. Um, John, how much you said it was? About $800 million? $800 million. Enough you know, I'll be out. My contract was locked on, I'll tell you. <laughs> but um, this is one of those conversations kind of similar to what we had last year. You know, and, I, and I'm going to repeat it again. You know, if you feel like, who the players that you bring in? I'm not. I'm not even going to look at general manager because I think you know, regardless how we are, how we feel, and how we are starting to feel about Nick Casario. Well, and remember that also includes executives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know you said it also includes executives, but I'm under the same token to where if you get rid of Lovey Smith and Pep Hamilton, Nick Casario should be packing up and walking out of NRG Stadium as well. Sure. But I really don't think that is a realistic opportunity that is going to happen but what i would say is this for this organization if they feel like they have the pieces in place as for solid players like chris moore you know you bring back titus howard that's the conversation that you and i really haven't had too much this offseason this this season but it's time for us to start discussing whether or not the texans are going to have an opportunity to, to sign Titus Howard to a long-term plan and Which a long-term they should, and, and, and they should, especially it's if your priority. top priority is to get a quarterback. Like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, if you draft Bryce Young or CJ or whoever, or you want to run it back with Davis Mills or whatever the case might be, you don't want to put your young quarterback in a situation like it was a couple years ago when you first got to Sean. Remember, I think it was his second year with the organization. He was sacked 62, 65 times, which was by far the, 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 the worst in the league. But if you feel you have the pieces in place as for rookies that you're going to bring in, the young talent that you already have here on this team, and solid players like Larry Tunsil, Titus Howard, Christian Kirsten, to your point, John, and you feel like next year is the year you can finally take not just a step forward, but a major step forward in the rebuild, then I would say you have to clean house and get rid of Lovey Smith, Pep Hamilton. Um, I would like to see in, in, in some weird way Nick Casario. However, I don't think that's the case. 
which, which brings me back to this point. It might be in the Texans' best interest to keep Lovey Smith around for another year. You say bring in a new OC. You uh, you also say bring in a new defensive coordinator. I'm all for bringing a defensive coordinator. I just believe that Lovey Smith has too much on his plate as of right now. Plus, how many times has you and I came on this show talked about how Lovey Smith's defensive system isn't working for a lot of guys like a Derrick Stanley Jr. for offensive coordinator? If you keep Lovey Smith, you have to keep Pep Hamilton. I know people don't want to hear that, but at the end of the day, let's keep it real. Pep Hamilton has called a better game these last two um, contests that the Texans have just simply due to the fact that his play at quarterback has been better because you're utilizing Jeff Driscoll, because Davis Mills is, you know, even though on one instance it did end it with him fumbling the ball at a crucial moment, the fact that he has two quarterbacks who has gone out there making plays with their arms and their legs, you are seeing Pep Hamilton open up his playbook and call a more aggressive game. So it's going to be interesting how all of this is going to play out. But I truly do believe that it's in this best interest to just keep the guys that they already have because not only does it look bad for players in terms of their development and everything else that, that take place with you changing coaches for another consecutive year, but you also got to take a look at the reality of the situation. That, and that that is also if you fire Lovey Smith, Pep Hamilton, and even Nick Casario to a certain extent, that is just going to make the Houston Texans look more chaotic than they already have looked over these last couple of seasons. So you're advocating to keep pretty much everything for next year. Yeah. But like I mentioned, like why would you why would you change personnel when the 2023 campaign can't look exactly like 2022 in the same way? Like it that's why I say this conversation takes me back to what we had last year with David Cully. Like it only made sense for them to keep David Cully if this organization was going to move forward with their rebuild. And they have not. They regress, which means if we have another season like this next year, what are we going to do? Are we going to start calling for Jonathan Cannon's job? Are we going to start calling for D'Amico Ryan's job? Like, at some point, this organization needs to keep some type of stability. And say what you want, but these last two games, how the way the Houston Texans have looked, how they played, how the play calling has been, so it's certainly still on the offensive side of the ball, but even more so the effort that they are given, I'm not going to say it's warrant for them to keep their job, but at the same time, I wouldn't be opposed to it if that's what end up happening come NFL, what they call it, Black Blackout Day or Doomsday. Black Monday. Black Monday, Black Monday, there you go. Guys, I'm really geeked out by our new partner and sponsor of today's show, the mobile game Ultimate Football GM. You ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM? I know you have played Madden. And managing your own football franchise, has it ever been a part of something you wanted to do? Well, your dreams can come true, and this game is definitely for you. Manage every strategy aspect of your team. Play through the season and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and coordinators. Kind of ironic that we just had this conversation. Trading players, making draft picks, and navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft and all the ups and downs of a season. All of this is challenging in a realistic game world. The Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want 
or when you want to. So, listen, Locked On Texans, y'all are listeners, you are getting a 100% free boost to your franchise when you use the promo code Locked On. Make sure it is in all caps in the game store. That's Locked On in all caps. So make sure you check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm, ultimategm.com, excuse me, or look it up on the App Store. That's ultimate-gm.com. And, of course, I want to let you guys know about Turo. Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts across the U.S., the U.K., Canada, and Australia. So forget those boring, boring rental cars. Find your drive at Turo.com. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Tuesday installment of Locked On Texans. And we didn't have an opportunity to really touch on this conversation because the news broke on Saturday. But as everybody knows, as of right now, um, Damian Pierce's season has came to an end. The Texans did put, put him on IR due to the foot injury that he sustained in the loss against the Dallas Cowboys. I actually had an opportunity to see Damian Pierce after the game on Sunday. He didn't have his foot in the booth, which was a good thing, but he was walking with a limp that I was able to tell. But, you know, I'm heartbroken that Damian Pierce's season is over because I really wanted him to get that 1,000 yards. I know he did too, man. But at the end of the day, shout out to arguably the MVP of this team for the 2022 campaign. Um, Damian Pierce, if you run across this podcast by any chance, get healthy, get better, get stronger, and tear it up for your second season. Hopefully your effort can actually lead to more wins for this organization. Now, with that being said, three games left, all divisional opponents. John, we gotta take a we gotta we gotta talk about this backfield. And not really on what the Houston Texans should do, but how Nick Casario kind of failed this backfield in a way. And I say that because I, I, I go back to Sunday's game against the Chiefs, and you saw that they called Daryl Gumbawale's name. You saw there was times where Burkhead got out there. Uh, but the best running back that actually helped this team feel the void that was left by the absence of Damian Pierce was Royce Freeman. And when you take a look at Royce Freeman's number, 51 yards on 11 carries, I believe his best attempt was when he rushed for 11 yards. I can't remember what, what drive that was, but um, it was one of the Texans' most impressive jobs, but I do believe it might have ended up being a punt at the end of the day. But Royce Freeman was a, was, a, was a positive for this organization in the rushing attack. As I just mentioned, he finished with 51 yards on 11 attempts. That is more than Russ Burkhead has rushed for the entire season. When his season high is 40 yards during a week one contest against the Indianapolis Colts. Going back to that game, John, that was the day where a lot of people, including us, we were sitting here debating and complaining and, you know, arguing on whether or not it was a good thing for the organization to put Rex Burkhead out there more so than Damian Pierce. Remember, he did not have the best debut in, in his NFL um, first game. But at the same time, you understood it. 
because Lovey Smith said, you know what, his blocking was a lot better, and given how tight the game was, he actually wanted to lean on the veteran. Okay, we gave you a pass. But, John, as the season went on, I truly do believe that Nick Casario dropped the ball in how he orchestrated this backfield. I truly believe because he is so hell-bent on keeping Russ Burkhead on this roster, the Houston Texans missed an opportunity to get positive production from players like a like like a Royce Freeman. Can you imagine if they would have called Rex Freeman up earlier in the season? I'm not about to sit here and say that he would have helped the Texans win three and four and five more games or whatever the case might be. But when you take a look at how much this run game was so dependent on Damian Pierce, so much so that even though we enjoyed his performance, how we begged for them to go out and find a second running back, you take a look at the production that Royce Freeman had on Sunday, you could easily make the argument that he should have been this team's number two running back, not Rex Burkhead. I, I, I 100% agree with you. Nick Casario really dropped the ball in filling out this roster from a lot of different positions. Um, and running back is one of them. Right? You look at the Success Dare was able to have in, in one of the games where Houston was down at that point. They were still trying to fight back and, you know, make a comeback. But he's just faster. He's quicker. You look at what even, – even when we go look at what Marlon Mack did on Sunday, five carries for 37 yards. Not a lot, but it's just – the relationship with Rex Burkhead, to put it simply, has to end. And he's one of those players that I see Houston – allowing to transition into some type of coaching role, staff role. I'm not 100% sure. I hope not. But there's only one position coach that he could coach, and I think uh, Danny Berry has done a damn good job. Danny Berry has done a phenomenal job this year, and I I hate that Damian Pierce's season ended the way he did. Um, But I'm sure there's a role they can find for Rex Burkhead. They found a role for him on his team playing football when he clearly (laughs) should have been touching the ball. But overall, man, I, I 100% agree. I'm, I'm going to keep my mind short and simple. Nick Casario simply did not fill out this roster with talent. And when we look at a lot of the issues in terms of the totality of this roster, you may be able to point to the lack of explosiveness, the lack of youth. And with Rex Burkhead, just I think the lack of having a breakup. It's okay to break up sometimes. Uh, divorce is a good thing from our head coach here in Houston. But for some reason, Rex Burkhead is is, is in, a, in a relationship where he's clearly not doing what he's supposed to do. It's, it's, it's not – it's 80-20 Rex Burkhead. And Rex Burkhead is a 20%. So um, these are all indications as to why people are putting Nick Casario under the microscope. Last night, my buddy texted me in our group chat, made $300 with prize picks. Super simple, super easy. Prize picks is daily fantasy, made simple, made easy. Pick two to five players. If they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. Thanks for making the Locked On Texans your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. 
one of my favorite shows to listen to. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions and big game recaps, along with the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Cody was talking about y'all, man. Said the fans ain't show up on Sunday. There was more Kansas City Chiefs fans at the NRG Stadium. Uh, it wasn't no 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 Bulls on parade in there to cheer on the team. We had a great game, even though they lost the game. They traveled well. It was outnumbered. This is what the franchise has come to. To understand how bad it was, at the end of the game, Andy Reid. In his opening statement, the very first words that he said was, and I quote, our fans were unbelievable today. And he also said, I believe that we had more fans than Houston. I understand when you go to these games, you're always going to have fans of the opposing teams. As a matter of fact, last night, when I cover the Rockets, oh my God, terrible loss to the San Antonio Spurs, um, there was a good amount of Spurs fans in the building. But they did not outnumber the Rockets fans. This isn't the first, and it won't be the last, where we see and saw a good amount of fans of the opposing teams. Some games that come to mind. Almost every time Tennessee comes to the game, which I'm always wondering whether or not those are Tennessee fans or those are still Orleans fans who still have a love and appreciation for their organization. Um, Another game that was pretty bad, the Thursday night football game against the Philadelphia Eagles and even the Cleveland Browns fans, which at some point you can tell that there was even still some Texans fans still showing their support for Deshaun Watson. Um, and then, of course, you know, with Deshaun being one of the most premier talents and players in the league, you know, that goes into a category when you have your own fan base. But Sunday against the Chiefs was just terrible, John. It was so bad to the point during their national anthem, you know, how the song go in the home of the brave. In Kansas City, when they get to that point, they say in the home of the Chiefs, Almost everybody in the stadium did it. There was a sea of red in NRG Stadium. It was so bad to the point. There was times where it seems like Davis Mills, he had a hard time trying to listen to what the play call was to communicate. It was so bad on several occasions, especially in the fourth quarter in overtime, I saw Kansas City's defense, and this wasn't Justin Reed, which I would have I would have understood it to a certain extent if it was Justin Reed. But on several occasions, I saw the, the Chiefs defense pump up the crowd to make more noise to distract Houston's defense. And I just wanted to bring that up because even what was a phenomenal game, a phenomenal day, some saying the best performance of the season. I'm going to say second best performance of the season right behind the Dallas Cowboys. The fan base did not show up for that game. I mean, I get it. This has been a hard fan base to root for over the last couple of seasons. But, man, they got to do something about this, man. Like, this is terrible. And it also brings me back to a conversation you and I just had on the last segment. 
you take a look at how Nick Casario failed this team. The talent. You you, you say lack of explosiveness, the lack of youth. Like, if they just had better product and production on the field, the fan base could get behind it a little bit more. The coaching, the coaching could be even better. The you know, there was a moment in, in the season where this team was unwatchable for fans and reporters. Like, I understand it. There's a lot of issues that's going on. But the way this rocket rock, this roster has been orchestrated, there's only one guy that I'm looking at, man. And I don't know, John. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texas Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Also, subscribe to the Locked On Texas Podcast on YouTube under the name Locked On Texans. And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.